Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Talking Murder with My Mother podcast. So we decided, my mother and I, I am your host, Sonia. This is my mother, Maggie. Hi. And we are huge true crime fans, and we decided to do our own podcast. Since we talk about it anyway, might as well record it. And we are going to focus on very old, unknown crimes to begin with. Uh, format of the show will be I will explain a case to my mother, get her reactions on it, and she has no idea what I am going to talk about for the most part. So, a uh, little disclaimer also, as the first episode, I'll put it in on, as a regular on the on the next episodes, but um, listener discretion advised, it's a comedy true crime podcast, so if you don't like it, you can leave now. Um, this is the type of conversation that is very heavy and if you don't add some kind of humor to it you're going to basically drive yourself into a depression so again if you don't like it you can get the fuck out uh that brings me to my second part of the disclaimer coarse language we don't uh pull any punches when it comes to what we talk about here graphic language descriptions of violence descriptions of what could possibly be, be mutilation child death you name it it's gonna happen on the podcast so let's get started with the first episode mom today I'm going to talk to you about Wilson Bertram High Warden. No idea who he is, right? Not a clue. Okay, that would be because he was born in 1875. So, he's born in 1875. He is born in Canada. I get this little tidbit from him that I get from census paperwork. Tells me parents are Simeon and Elizabeth. Somehow they end up riding off to Canada and... Uh, Next thing you know, you see him in the census popping up in Chicago, six years old, 1880, I'm sorry, 1890. So, shows up, ends up in Urbana, which is Champaign County, Ohio. So, we have him ending up there, and he ends up meeting this lady by the name of Ada. So, Ada, nice lady, and... uh all of a sudden here you have this little newspaper article I come across and it says, Bert High Warden was arrested by Officer Hill Monday night, charged with being drunk and disorderly, and it is also alleged that he tried to beat up his wife. It seems High Warden has not been working very steadily of late, that conditions at his home from gone have gone from bad to worse. Mrs. High Warden has been obliged to support her family of five small children almost entirely by her own efforts. On Monday night, she alleges that her husband came home in a bad state of intoxication and that she became alarmed and tried to call for help. Burl Depp finally heard the racket and came to her assistance while Mrs. Depp called the police. In a rough and tumble that followed, so he's trying to beat the shit out of the cops, before the arrival of Officer Hill, oh, and the neighbors, the glass in the front door is broken. High Warden made no objections to being placed under arrest. Mrs. High Warden stated to officers that there was no food in the house and that some milk, which she had obtained for the baby, had been drunk by some of the other children. She went after more, having a few pennies, and when she came back, her husband was awaiting her, armed with a baseball bat. He pushed her into the house, and it is alleged that he made serious threats against her. So, how, how classy. We're talking about a fucking gentleman here. Yeah. So, oh, sorry, they uh, also don't state it in some of the paperwork, but uh, they do state it in the marriage certificate for them they're negro that's what it states on there um i i don't know why it's listed as special i guess back in the time in the day in the 20s they did that before that but here's a picture mother so you can see listeners you cannot see but i will post it on instagram and facebook and all of that good stuff when we get that up Ooh, um, what a handsome dude yeah uh he's uh, not no. <laughs> not a real looker uh not a real looker so the date that i stated this was march 28th 1911 that he comes home drunk as a skunk. Oh. Um, yes, 1911. Very attractive. Yeah, March 28th. Mm. So we have the documents here that I have. Uh, we have paperwork that I was able to pull off county records. So we do have a few documents that I will read out later. But So that was March 28th. Now we move on to April 21st of the same year. So we, we've only gone about a month. And... Bert Highwarden, who was committed to the county jail for assault committed on his wife while intoxicated, was released. So now he's been released Monday afternoon by the order of Mayor Wilson. He has straightened up and promised to be good. 
My mother is staring at his photo as I read this, everyone. Okay. He and his wife have effected a reconciliation, and the divorce suit that was brought by his wife will be withdrawn. So, hmm. I have the marriage record. and um, Silly woman. Her, her official name is Mabel Ada Anderson. She goes by Ada. And they were married in 1898. So, at this point, she's put up with this asshole for 13 years. She's got four kids with him. Okay. And, um, patience of the saint. Yeah. So, uh, again, I also have records of like the census and things like that. So they had lots of problems and see where it said, uh, where I had said that, um, the reconciliation because she had brought on a divorce suit. So she brought this on due to drinking and abusive behavior. <laughs> Apparently he did not take kindly to this and he threatened her life many times in front of the children not in front of the children. Didn't matter. So basically he did not change his ways and um, she left, left the house. And the next thing you know, she goes back to gather some personal items and he tells her, hey, let's not get a divorce. Let's stay married. And she says, no, I don't, I don't think that's a very good idea. And uh, basically he gets pissed off and he shoots her. Okay. Hmm. So September 2nd, 1924, we've jumped to 1924. Um, he shoots and kills her? No, I'm sorry. This is 1911. I, excuse me. I haven't, I've jumped too far. 1911. He has killed her. Oh. He has killed his first wife, Ada. Okay. And, uh. Does he go to jail? He does go to jail. And, uh, here's the newspaper article, which I will again show you, Mother, the headline, which says, kills her when she refuses to remarry. They haven't even gotten a divorce yet, but yet, this is what it states. And it says, after killing his former wife yesterday, when she had refused to remarry him, even though they'd never officially gotten divorced, Bert Highwarden, see in here it's again colored, walked calmly into the office of the chief of police and surrendered himself with the statement, and I quote, she got what was coming to her. This is what he tells the police. The murdered woman had divorced Highwarden, it wasn't official yet on paper, and had been making her home at Piqua, which is where she had left to go with the children, but she had returned to get some personal effects. So, January 4th of the following year, which is uh, on 1912, jury in the case sentenced him to murder, and off he goes to murder. Sorry, too late for you. Can't remarry her now. And off he goes. So, that's where it's supposed to end, right? No. You would think. <clears throat> no. So I have her death certificates, by the way, which again, I will post. And there's two, and they're different, which is a little bit strange. Uh, they also have different numbers on them, which I also find strange. Oh, for everybody who doesn't know, I have a degree as a funeral director. Not that I do that anymore. So I found it a little odd. Bureau of Vital Statistics has two death certificates for her, two different ID numbers, <clears throat> but okay. Uh, both. Is it the same person? Yeah, it's the same person, which is what is so strange. Um, so this, maybe, maybe they lost the paperwork. <laughs> I, it, I guess they could have. I mean, I don't know. Um, I think maybe there was a mistake on one because it is scribbled out, so I think they just redid it, but okay. Um, so it says that she was murdered by her husband. Then there's like a number sign, which I, like a 450, which I don't understand what the 450 means because it's probably a code that they have. But she was murdered in Urbana, and it's in Urbana, Ohio, and it says, uh, yeah, murdered by husband. And it says, uh, and this is very difficult to read a little bit because they, um, you know, it's their handwriting, too. Something about uh, brought something down on the head. But I know she was also shot, so... Let's add insult to injury. Why I, not? I know she was also shot, so... Because it says it in the newspaper. He shot her. So, not that the newspaper's 100% right, but that's what they posted. So, it's supposed to end there, right? Nope, doesn't end there. Six years later... Here's a newspaper article that I find, and for the love of God, it says, Christmas time, the gift of freedom is given. Oh, six convicts, Christmas time, they're getting out. So they pardon him six years later. So 1923, well, 1922 Christmas time, technically. The Christmas pardons went to the following men. Ready? And I'm going to tell you all the men that got pardoned so you know what they did. It's fun times. Bird Highwarden, sentenced from Champaign County for second-degree murder. That's who we're talking about. Life sentence dating from January of 1912. 
Jack Conway, he went to robbery, for away for robbery. Good for him. Uh, J.J. McKenna, he was grand, grand larceny. Uh, let's see. John Truss, he was, uh, oh, he, he was going away for murder, too. And uh, let's see here. James Bradshaw, assault to kill. And uh, let's see. Robert Price, a cutting wound. Oh, these are all awesome people. Well, I don't really give a shit about the larcenist. Huh. All Catholic, or, all Catholic schoolgirls, or the robber, or the robber doesn't say he did armed robbery, so whatever. But the other guys, yeah, they're all pieces of shit, including the high warden guy. So he gets out. So he does six years for killing his wife. He gets out. Hmm. Yep. All right. And uh, when he actually, <laughs> it's funny because I find this when she was killed. See, they had been separated. Where they say they were divorced. She went from Troy to Urbana night on business. She had technically secured the divorce, but it wasn't legit yet. They were seeking the reconciliation, remember? Because she put him in jail. And uh, then it says, people heard the shots. So he must have hit her on the head first and then shot her. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I mean, he must have subdued her somehow. So it says, just so everyone knows, because they're letting him out of jail and this is exactly what he did. Mrs. High Warden was lying in a pool of blood in her bedroom with the children bending over her trying to arouse her. Okay. So I end up finding on Ancestry, uh, we've got his kids. And it says, the kids at the time were Donald, Raymond, Cecil, Laversha, Ethel, and Grace. Now... Raymond was deceased at the time. Ethel was deceased. Well, no, that's not true. At the time, they might have been alive. But so she's got all these kids in the house. Some of them were little and passed away when they were little. But at least four. So imagine that fucking horror show. The bullet had entered below the left eye. So this is what they're seeing. High Warden gave himself up to the police and exactly what I told you. She had it coming. Okay. So then it says... Um, he had served the 30, day, the 30 days in jail for beating his wife. And then she had sued him for divorce, which is what they were trying to reconcile about. Great reconciliation. Um, so, yeah. So, he goes to jail. He gets out. We'll leave Mr. Wilson Bertram for a second, and we'll go on to Rovilla Moss. So, there's a nice lady. Her name is Rovilla Moss. I assume she's nice. She's married to... I guess another piece of shit named Walter. <laughs> so, August 24th, 1911. Around the same time, okay, that this guy's already killed his wife. High Warden. So now, these two are fighting. Walter, James Everett, and Rovilla Moss of the same city. Is this a parallel story, or is it one that intersects? They intersect. Ah. Yes. So, Walter James and uh, James Everett and Rovilla Moss, again, also of Urbana, they're granted a marriage license in the same year that the High Warden kills his wife, Ada. So, seven years go by, they got a bunch of kids, and now we find in the newspaper... Oh, I'm sorry, wait, when they get married, there's an extra little tidbit here. When Walter and Rovilla get married, it says Joseph Moss, the father of the girl, gave his consent because the girl was underage. Underage by... It doesn't say. Mm. It does not say. And unfortunately, if I'm not mistaken... We don't have a marriage certificate? I don't have a marriage certificate for that particular marriage. So... So that means she must have been... Probably four, 15, 30. 16. I don't know. I mean, 14 maybe. Who, who the hell knows back then? So, I mean, I've seen lots of things in these, in these you know, county documents and shit. So who knows? So, 1919... Mrs. Rovilla Everett resists the charges that her three children are delinquents in probate court. So now she's got juvenile delinquents, this lady, okay? The children are charged with being delinquents in the affidavit filed by the J.H.E. Diamond Urbana Township Trustee. Mrs. Everett, whose husband Walter Everett deserted her two months ago, told the court that she could take care of the children and two of her brothers, Roy and Everett, appeared in court and agreed to assist her. So now she's having to get her brothers to take care of the kids because she married a piece of shit and he's not taking care of the kids. The children are well-dressed in court 
and Judge Gibbs continued the case until he can make a further investigation. So that's January 10th of 1919. But the word delinquent at that time, couldn't that just mean that they just didn't go to school? Uh, It could mean a multitude of things. And at the same time, let's not forget that they're also African-American. So they could have just been freaking walking while black. And they could have been juvenile delinquents at the time. So who the hell knows? I guess. Right? Who the hell knows? So that's in January. Skip down. Oh. That is my phone, people. Uh, it, in, I don't know what it's telling me, but it's telling me something. Um, so we're skipping down till the end of the year. And it's New Year's Eve, 1919. Another Christmas story. <laughs> yep. Oh, right around that time. Great. And now Walter Everett, and again, the word colored, colored and father of three children, age seven, five, and three, is arrested in Dayton on a charge of abandonment. The charge is more serious than just non-support and carries with it a prospect of a sentence of six months to a year in the workhouse or from one to three in the Ohio Penitentiary at the discretion of the court. Everett has been wanted on this charge for more than a year and Urbana constables have been on his trail all this time. Attempts to catch up with him in Columbus and other places have resulted in failure. About two weeks ago, Magistrate Rock learned that he was employed in Dayton. So a warrant was sent there, but the young man left the city sometime before. However, the authorities laid the warrant in a handy place, and Monday afternoon, Everett came back looking for work and was nabbed. Constable Bradley was informed and went after him Monday evening. When asked if he had anything to say, Everett seemed wholly indifferent and stated he had just left because he didn't want to support his family. Isn't that fucking lovely? Everett is said to be a good cook, specializing in club service and capable of earning good money when he selects to work. When arrested, he was penniless. So, again... Hasn't killed anybody. That was a theme of the times, I think, as well. I don't think, uh, you know, it's it's like if we look back. It's a fucking theme of the times now. um, I agree with you, but at that time it was like, um, I think even more prevalent that, you know, that they were these missing fathers. That they would abandon their families. You could just fuck off. Back then you didn't have anything to strap you down. Literally, you fuck off. And you well, go to the next town, or you go to the next state, and you and and, and again there was start a new life. The technology didn't exist like it does today. Nothing today existed. it's very difficult not to leave a fingerprint somewhere where people can find you. So I'm actually shocked and amazed that they actually <laughs> tracked down this guy. Yeah, that they actually went to that extent a year. To, and again, to it, find him, and it says. The authorities laid the warrant in a handy place. I don't know what the fuck a handy place is, but I assume it's a place where the cops in that town were able to constantly be vigilant that it was there, and who knows? I, I All I know is they caught him. So, again, he hasn't killed anybody or anything. He's just a degenerate who doesn't take care of his family. So At least not yet. Right. In the so, story. That is New Year's of 1919. So now it is the summer of 21. So we've skipped a year and a half. And it states in the newspaper again, in a short terse petition for divorce, wrote Villa Everett seeks to be freed from her convict spouse. So Walter has gone to jail (laughs) for not taking care of his family. Now doing time in the Ohio penitentiary. Oh, I'm sorry. Not taking care of his family, but he's also burglarized the Ambrose hardware store. Why? When you're a cook who apparently is a good cook. But they said it was... When he wished to work. He was a good cook when he wished to work. Right. So now also in 1919, this is what's pissing me off about the story as I'm reading these little uh, blurbs from the newspaper too. So again, let's go back a second. They get married in, this is Rovilla and Jane, uh, Walter. They get married 1911. In 1919, she's got the two delinquent boys, right? The two degenerate boys. Then, uh, according to the courts... Wasn't there three kids? What, in 1919, there's three kids, seven, five, and three. Mm. And now it's 1921, and now there's four kids. So it doesn't matter that he's not supporting her. She's still fucking the dude. Right? She's still having sex with him, because now she went from two to three to four. He's not taking care of them. He's going to the penitentiary. But that's assuming that's assuming he's that's his No, that's his. Children. Yeah, no, I it's mean, his. According to what let's I... Let's assume that it's his uh, kids, because right. it may not be. It, She says it's his. Let's just assume it is, right? So the wife states that she was married to Everett 
1911, whatever, and that four children were born to them, now aged nine, seven, five, and two. So if we go back in 1919, the children were, the oldest, was seven. were seven and five. How fucking delinquent can you be at seven and five? What were these kids doing? Well, that's what I'm telling I'm you. Walking while black. This has to be I'm, it. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering because seven and five delinquent was, you know, maybe part of the thing. Was maybe they were begging for money. I don't know. Possibly. I, I, again, but you, you see what I'm saying? These the ages don't make any sense too with the court. I'm thinking they're teenagers. It makes no sense. She recites that her husband is now an inmate of the state prison, which alone constitutes a cause for divorce. She asks for the custody of the four children. In addition, she makes an affidavit that she is without funds to furnish the costs in this case. This means that the case will be heard, and whatever costs occur, she will not be taxed with them. So, she can't afford it, so that's what's happening. So, that is Rovilla and Walter. And this is where the cases begin to intersect themselves. So, it's the perfect storm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My God. Perfect storm. It's mind-blowing. So, <laughs> oh, my word. So, he gets out, and he's been out, and now all of a sudden, I don't know how in the high hell, but uh, Wilson, Burt, High Warden ends up meeting Rovilla Everett somehow. Oh, the meeting of the minds. So now this lady is divorced from her, or... From her convict Convict husband, husband right. And meets another ex-convict. And meets another ex-convict that has murdered his wife. What's really funny, though, is that when they get married, and I have their marriage certificate, this is what was very interesting. You have their marriage certificate, and it says Wilson B. High Warden at the top. It says Rovilla Everett at the top, and all of a sudden... When you look, and it asks if they've been married before, it says no for him. So, and again, I guess in those days, getting certain records, it's not like having them nowadays. No, just they live in the same town. Nonetheless. But they live in the same town. Do you know how many how many uh, birth certificates, marriage certificates? And it even at states that, it. Oh, at, the, at those times... Were, I mean, you have your grandparents as an example, uh, because you didn't go this specific day they were born, and you went, you went on, on you went on another day, then their birthday became that day. Whenever you went to the courthouse or the church at that time to get your birth certificate, your birthday can be off. Your grandparents, both of them, have. It's one day off from their actual birthday. Of course. But they live so, in the same town. How how do people not know that this guy was married? You know what I'm saying? Like, and again, there's four kids in the town. Maybe the person... Sorry, people. There's my phone again. Maybe the, the people that were doing the paperwork were not... Were new. They didn't know them. I mean, it could be a million and one things uh, at that time. I guess. I mean, it has been, I suppose, at this point, uh, 12 years. So I guess anything is possible. Oh, side note as well, because I'm also thinking there's four children involved, right? He had like four four to seven children with Ada so that lived. So at this point, let's assume there's four alive. Um, this, this doesn't make any sense. Like, how does nobody know you? But okay, let's assume nobody knows you. This piece of shit lies on his marriage certificate. Maybe, says, maybe his kids aren't there anymore. Well, his kids actually, and I found this somewhere else uh, in a little blurb somewhere, um... The children from his first marriage were taken by her parents. So, so they may not even be there. I mean, they're in that area because that's where the mother grew up, Ada Anderson. But they're not necessarily in the picture right now. I don't think he sees his children, to be honest. So he ends up marrying Rovilla. It says closely, if you look in the marriage records, it says he has no previous marriages. So I'm positive. I mean, this guy's a piece of shit. He had to have lied. So this marriage doesn't go well either, obviously. And within a year, Rovilla is asking for a divorce from him. So, what's amazing to me is that I don't understand how these people ended up in the same town, and this can happen twice, but he ends up killing Rovilla. So... Oh, he's two for two. 
He does. <laughs> he kills Rovilla. And uh, in the newspapers, it says August 22nd. Funeral services for Mrs. Rovilla Highwarden, second victim of her husband's murder frenzy, were held at the Second Baptist Church in Buckeye Street at 2 o'clock. I'm sorry about the phone beeping, people. I'll figure out how to make that stop for next time. Um, so the funeral is one of the largest ever held in the church. Services were in charge by Reverend Gibson, pastor of the church. Friends acted as pallbearers. She was buried in the Oakdale Cemetery by Humphrey and Sons, the Undertakers. Mrs. High Warden died at the community, I'm sorry, at the county hospital an hour after she had been shot twice by her husband. They don't call him Wilson. They always call him Bert. Bert High Warden. When they met in South Main Street Monday morning, High Warden was pardoned from the Ohio Penitentiary where he had been sentenced for life for the murder of his first wife, and he is now a prisoner in the county jail. So you, you see this too, where they met in South Main Street on Monday morning. It's like the same shit that he did with his first wife. Like, she came, you know, home to get some personal effects, and he, like, catches her outside and of the street and, like, beats her down and shoots her. So, yeah. So he ends up doing that. And uh, then we've got the September 2nd article, which reads, and this is sad, the four minor children of Mrs. Burt Highwarden, Martha, Catherine, Genevieve, and Jane, are ordered sent to the Champaign County Children's Home. Mrs. High Warden, their mother, is killed, was killed by her husband several days ago, and their stepfather is now in the county jail charged with first-degree murder, leaving the children without a provider. And their biological father is still in the Ohio Penitentiary for A, not supporting them, B, armed robbery of the hardware store. So there's nobody to take care of the kids, and they go... So off they go. ...to foster care. Isn't that fucking lovely? All right. So that... Very sad. It's very sad. And the newspaper article that I find on her shooting says, and again, sorry everybody, it's just the way it says it in the article, Negro shoots wife. Husband charges woman with... Husband charges woman was friendly with former mate. Bird High Warden, Negro, 49 years old, surrendered to police today after he had shot his wife, they call her, her Roville, 35, fatally. The woman died an hour later in the hospital. According to police, he met his wife on the street and opened fire with a revolver. Mrs. High Warden had filed a suit for divorce August 1st. High Warden, police said, declared she was renewing relations with her former husband. But wasn't he in jail? He was getting out. Oh. Hi. According to police, he killed his wife, first wife, I'm sorry, under similar circumstances. Mrs. High Warden charged... The second, the second Mrs. High Warden? The second Mrs. High Warden. Now, this is what's weird, too. <clears throat> this is the last sentence in this newspaper article, and I'm thinking, where the fuck is the rest of this? The last sentence in this newspaper article is, Mrs. High Warden charged a murder plot in her divorce petition. So she already knew that there was something hinky going on with him? Whether she thought. found out? Because I don't think he told her. I mean, we'll never know. Everybody's dead. Even the kids. Um, but there's just no way. How did she know? She put that in the divorce petition. I looked for it. I can't find it. Uh, sometimes you can find them. I cannot find I cannot find hers. Because um, it would be nice to read it and see what the hell she had to say. But yeah, she planned on going back to Walter. And it was maybe a couple of weeks before he was getting out of jail. But maybe that's best because, honestly, uh, would Bert High Warden have killed them both, maybe? And left them I mean, without I, any parent? Because I assume that he got out and... Uh, no, but he wouldn't have... Taking it, care of the children is not in his mindset, I don't believe. So, I, so the children would have ended up in the same place. Right, but at least their father's way. not dead. I mean, I don't know if that's well, better. I, I don't. I don't know if that's a, a you know. I don't know if that's that better, better not better. No, it's it's obviously not better. I mean, he didn't. He was in jail for exactly that reason. They didn't want to take care of his children. And uh, well, no, he also robbed the hardware store. Don't forget. And unfortunately, a prevalent thread even to this day. So. Now he's going to go to trial for Rovilla. And during his first trial, when he killed his first wife, there's a little tidbit here 
in the newspaper from back then, and it says, uh, let's see here. So this is for his, the, first wife, the first wife. For the first wife, just to give you an idea, because now he's going to go to jail for the second or trial for the second wife. So just to give you an idea, uh, High Warden, this is during the first trial, High Warden maintained his stolid air of indifference. During his long stay in the county jail prior to the trial, he maintained a cheerful composure and never seemed to worry about the result of the trial. That's the first trial for his first wife. And it says, Mrs. Sarah Roberts, mother of the murdered woman, fainted in court. So she's clearly not having good times in court, but he's indifferent. Okay, so that's the first trial. So how's the second trial going to go? Well, February 3rd, 1925, I have this. God's will be done. I am ready to go. That is what Bert High Warden, Urbana Colored Man, the first Champaign County man to be Fawn find, I don't know that word, sorry people, I gotta look it up, in a death row under sentence of death for murder at the Ohio Penitentiary. Told a reporter who called upon him Saturday, he will pay the penalty and meet his, meet his maker in less than a week. Early next Monday morning, between midnight and one o'clock in the morning, he will be led from his cell in death row to his seat in the chair in the death chamber. Sentenced to death last October for the murder of his second wife, Rovilla, a widow with several children who married him for better or worse and got the worst. So there was no appeals in, in that time. Oh, there no. There was no... Oh, no, know. there were appeals. There were appeals. And they went pretty quickly. I mean, well, he's also what they called a colored man, so I assume it went even faster than that. Uh, I've, I mean, I've seen judges, like, slap down appeals in a day in, like, super old cases. Um, I mean, it really all depends on the time, the state, the county. I mean, they all had, you know their own kind of justice back then too they had the law but not really i mean frick vigilantes would come in the middle of the night to the jail in some cases and like rip you out of the jail and like murder you in front of the whole town so you know and we'll get to those too um but yeah so he he leaves her second wife he has shot down first wife was ada high warden killed her in 1911 after she had been granted the divorce but it never well it went through well in the end i guess the court put it through for the crime he was sentenced to life in prison pardoned after six years he is one of the very few men in the history of the state who has been found guilty of murder, sentenced, pardoned, and then committed a second murder. Oh, I shouldn't have let him out in the first place. He was taken to the Ohio Penitentiary last October. He was then a heavy, set, robust man, which you can see in the picture. He's not a small guy, right? I mean, it's no, the upper part, but you can tell he's a bigger he's dude. He's a big, burly dude. Right? Yeah. His confinement in the county jail since the morning of the murder, he has not changed his countenance. With only six more days in which to live, he now paces his cell only a shadow of his former self. Worry and the certainty of punishment have left their mark. But he says he is not afraid. Quote, I have made my peace with God and punishment have left their mark. Uh, I'm sorry. I have made my peace with God and have nothing to fear. I would be grateful for a reprieve, but do not expect it. And if I don't get it, I am ready to die. I realize what I have done and now know that I've got the chair coming to me. Too late. Too late. I. Too bad. So sad. Part of my troubles came from trying to get my family to go to church. I have always been a churchman and believed in God all my life. What a fucking load of horseshit. At what point anywhere have I mentioned anything about him being church going? At what point have I mentioned anything about anyone saying anything about going to church? Well, we've, we've always heard these inmates when you see them um and, and well, I, i'm including to this day that you know they they go to they go to jail they know they find jesus they find they find religion yeah. I, I i don't even too late say jesus they find religion and it's it's just uncanny to me that that you know they go back on they fall back on that. They fall on that sword. And it's... I've always it, been a it church makes, man. It, it, to me, it just makes me want to gag. What a load of fucking horseshit. Anyway, church man. Okay. He also reiterated the story, old when fighting for his life in the local common pleas court. He repeated that he was, he was carrying for self-defense the gun in which with... He shot his wife, so there's obviously spelling mistakes here. He repeated that he was afraid of the threats that had been made against him by a brother of the first wife. So, what did you think was going to happen? That 
your first wife's family wasn't going to want to get maybe revenge on you after you get out after six years? Well, it's a good, uh, I guess for him, it was a good excuse to be carrying, right? Like, I mean, if, if, if he comes up with the excuse that he thinks his first wife's family is going to uh, exact revenge, then, you know, he's carrying the gun. And, you know, if, if his second wife comes around, then he wants to get rid of her, you know, that's a good excuse to have a gun in your pocket. So, yeah. And, and, and an even little, even better little tidbit to that, to the brother of the first wife, Ada, wanting to enact revenge. Um, so it says, he repeated that he was afraid of the threats that had been made against him by a brother of his first wife, who had recently escaped from the insane asylum in Columbus. <laughs> and why was the brother of Ada Anderson in the insane asylum? He had been committed there after his sister's murder. Well, it actually drove him crazy. So they let him go. So imagine, he was committed to the insane asylum if after his a sister's death, that means this poor guy went crazy. They put him in there in like 1912, and now it's 1925, and they let him out. 13 years later. Okay. So he told again of the meeting. This is again, High Warden, Bert. He told again of the meeting with his wife and the argument. He repeated his assertion that he had just lost his head when she called him some names. Quote, I didn't realize at the time what I was doing. I just went mad and killed her. It was the same with my first wife. I am a peaceable man and never wanted trouble with anyone, but I just can't keep my head. So why the fuck should you be out of jail or allowed to live? It was the same with my first wife. And if I, you know, if you don't... I just lost my head. And if I get married again, it's going to happen to the third one, the fourth one, the fifth one. I'm just going to keep going. Local friends of the condemned man corroborate that statement. They all say that Bert is a good enough fellow, but has an ungovernable temper, which makes him a crazy man. Oh, and he's a fucking alcoholic. So, mince that all together. Yeah, he's a great guy, except when he's drinking. And he's <laughs> he's a great guy, except he's got, you know, this, and as they fucking quote, ungovernable temper. Oh, and add that liquor to the mix. Oh, he's a fucking, he's a gem. This guy's a fucking gem. He's a gem in the raw. <laughs> you know, you have, to polish, you have to polish that stone a little bit, you know, oh my God. To, to come and, and, and get something, um, I, a good guy. I can't, I can't. That's what you have to do. You have to polish that stone to I, get the good guy. I can't. So he, uh, Hi, <laughs> High Warden has, High Warden has three sisters, two in Urbana and one in Sydney, again, all Ohio. They have been to see him several times since he has been back in the penitentiary. He also has five children, so five living children by his first wife. Okay. Quote, I don't know whether they're trying to get me off, but I do know I am not doing anything. I've given up hope. And I assume by when he says, get me off, meaning get him out of jail. Why the fuck? Or maybe just not not have him executed I, right so maybe not get him out of jail I get, obviously but i guess maybe. i don't know why any of your children would would give a shit you murdered well, I, I guess. you murdered their mother in front of them yes but again who know. knows yeah we well yeah, exactly stranger things have happened it is understood that his sisters have made an effort in his behalf but have been unsuccessful reverend jc turner called on high warden last wednesday and his vile cheered the condemned man more than anything else since he went to death row. I assume it meant his... I don't know why it says vile there. I assume it meant his visit. When he left the Champaign County Jail, the wife of Reverend Turner, two of his sisters, and his son Raymond, from his first marriage, visited and conducted a short religious service, calling upon him to pray and to prepare to meet his maker. The only apparent effect of this unusual religious service was to loosen High Warden's tongue for the first time since he has been sentenced. He declared that he... Are you ready for this? He declared then that he had been lied to. About what? This is, this is the most weird thing ever. He declared then that he had been lied to, to death by John Douglas, an aged colored man, and Ralph Bradley, a former policeman, whose testimony convicted him of premeditated murder requiring the death penalty. He called Mrs. Turner to him and he said to her, quote, the next time John Douglas comes into your church, make him get down on his knees and before God to forgive him for the lies he told on the witness stand, but tell him that I forgive him, unquote. So now, his kids won't help him, his sisters can't help him, the reverend's can't do shit. And now he decides, oh shit, 
It's the last ditch effort. I gotta say that the witness and the cop are framing me. They framed me. Okay, out of fucking nowhere. Didn't say it before. No, they didn't. They didn't say they framed him. No, he's no, saying they framed. No, him. but what he's, I think, what he's trying to say is that he might have been able to go to jail without being executed, but what they were talking about was premeditation. So, in other words, these witnesses. Were it was saying, premeditation. Well, we know that, but what he's trying to get away with is that he's saying these witnesses. Are, are putting him in the electric chair. Good. Because, because he, 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 it wasn't because he had the gun in his pocket because he was scared of retribution by the first wife's family members. He premeditated this murder and so he should get the electric chair. Whereas if he hadn't premeditated the murder, maybe, he, maybe he wouldn't be going to the electric chair. Well, which is what I think he's trying to convey. That these people are lying because what they want to do is they want to execute him and not just leave him in jail. Too late. He also took his son in his arms, the only one who went, and begged him to be a good boy. To the reporter last Saturday, High Warden said he slept until two or three nights ago when he caught a cold. He also said that he eats everything he can get. Since High Warden is the first Champaign County man to be sentenced to death, there is considerable local interest in his coming execution. County officials and newspaper men have been approached by dozens of people who have asked them to use their influence to get passes for them to witness the execution. Yeah! High Warden may invite three people to witness his going out. To the man who asked for one of the... To, to the man who asked for one of these, High Warden replied that he had already given them all away. So, February 10th. And February 9th, 1925, I have the last of the newspaper articles, and it says, approximately on the 9th of February, approximately two and a half minutes after the current was turned on, Bert High Warden Colored from Urbana died in the electric chair at the penitentiary here early this morning. The death penalty was imposed upon High Warden following conviction of shooting to death his second wife about three months ago. So all in all, three months before, you know, between him killing her and... And being executed. Swift justice. Swift justice. That's what I'm talking about. And I'm, and I don't agree with, look, we can look back on again, we've talked about this, all these murders of white people and uh, African American people, Hispanic, Native American, whatever, that back in the day, you sometimes, a lot of times had people who died for no reason, right? They just did no evidence, no nothing. It was this person said this and they were you know, the mayor's daughter in the town, and she said that this guy did this to her, and that guy's basically lynched the next day, be him white, black, whatever the case may be. So, so many of these types of cases, but this is not that type of case. He did it. He did it. Swift justice, three months. Like, we know there's people on death row right now that have been there for 20 years. Why? You know you did it. You've got the DNA. You proved it. You know, I'm talking about, by the books, we have the evidence. 20 years later, you're still on death row. Fuck that. I, I just find that. Get rid of you. It's, 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 it must be agony. Um, on the family. Of, uh, on the family of, of the victim when, and again, you're right. Sometimes, you know, speedy justice didn't give us justice because it wasn't, it, it, it they ended up killing people. Innocent you know, Executing people. people that were innocent. But I find that when you have the evidence, when that person pretty much, you know, um, like here, you know, you know that it's a given that these families have to, you know, year after year after year after year have to deal with, you know, if they, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just agony. I, I can't even, I can't even imagine having a family member, you know, parent, child, whatever, murdered by someone, having them in jail. And, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm for the death penalty. I, you know, people can have their own opinions about that. Uh, cruel and unusual uh, you know all right with it but the honest truth is for me anyway if one of my family members close friends uh you know were were murdered by someone serial killer whatever um you know it, it just seems that you just add insult to injury I, i'm sorry i'm like i said i'm for the death penalty People, again, are allowed to have their opinion. You might not agree with me, but... And we are not professionals, just as a little side no. note. We are not professional no. forensic 
psychologists, analysts, no. uh, psychiatrists, just journalists. This. We're not professional any of that. We're a mother-daughter duo who likes to talk about crime and shit and murder, and this is our opinion. So, again, if you don't like it, you yep. can fuck take, off and not listen. Take it take it with a grain of salt. Exactly. And, you know. and this doesn't mean everybody, and not everybody should be executed. Not, people, even people, some people on death row, right? Some people are not mentally... Uh, and, and shit, I got a case that I found about that too. That's, oh, that's, there's, there's been a number of cases that I've seen lately. People who are been, mentally handicapped that they put in jail and blamed it on, and then they just execute them too. There's been those too, but this is not that type of case. No, this guy did it twice. I mean, fuck, he got, he got a, how, how, how do you get, all right, so he does die. Thank God. Too late for you, Mr. High Warden. And it says the last act in the tragic life of Bert High Warden, who paid the penalty in the electric chair. On Monday morning, for the murder of his second wife, performed at 3 o'clock Tuesday afternoon, when his body was lowered into a grave in Potter's Field at Oakdale Cemetery. So his wives don't even get to escape. They're buried in the same cemetery. The rattle of dirt on the plain casket as grave diggers filled up the grave closed the tragic drama that it, in its enactment snuffed out the lives of two women, made nine children orphans. Nine! Jesus Christ. Sent one man to the state insane asylum... And made a temporary madman out of another. The drama might well be called, quote-unquote, the wages of an ungovernable temp temper, close quote, for the principal actor has been a victim since childhood of a temper that controlled him, and it led him to death in a potter's field. So, I, I don't know where they're getting this information that he's had this since childhood. Only a handful of former friends and his son Raymond followed the body from the Patterson morgue to the spring, uh, in Springfield to the grave. When the body was placed in the casket early Monday, the box was closed, never reopened, not even at the cemetery. All day Monday, hundreds of curious persons were turned away from the morgue at the request of the high of Raymond, the only son, who decided to go. So then I have his death certificate, which I will also post online. And it says... <laughs> so awesome. Uh, it says, actually where it says, if married, widowed, or divorced, it has Ada, High Warden, and then it says, Ada scratched out. Under, underneath it says Rovilla. Over to the side it says High Warden. And then it says, occupation of the deceased, day laborer, and birthplace, Canada, which, if I'm not mistaken, it's Ontario. And his parents, though, were sketched, too. I gotta find out more about his parents. And then over off to the right where it says cause of death in big bold type, it says legally electrocuted. That's <laughs> amazing. Oh, legally in, in, right. in, in, in quotation marks. Yeah, it's not in quotes actually. It's just there in big bold <laughs> writing. All the rest of it is written out, which is pretty, pretty cool. And then right there, it's like legally electrocuted. High Warden's actions not only ended the lives of two women, but forever altered the lives of Ada and Rovilla's children. Ada's children went to go live with her parents but all of Rovilla's children were sent to the children's home as they had no one to provide for him. Deeply sad story. My God, I have no idea how these people found each other, and it's sad. But well, like I said, it's, uh, you know, two ships uh, crossing in the night. I swear. And I ended up trying to look for these kids because it was driving me crazy. And... I find, crazily enough, I find a marriage certificate for a Grace Munford. So, Grace Munford, right? What does that last name have to do with anything? Well, if you remember, he had a daughter named Grace with Ada. And some at some point, she got married and became a Munford. And she must have either become a widow or gotten remarried because this marriage certificate is for John Williams and Grace Munford. But when you look under the parents, mm -hmm. it says her father is Bert Highwarden and her mother is Ada Roberts. So it's actually Ada Anderson Roberts. Roberts is her, her mother's maiden name. So I'm like, okay. So one of the daughters became a Munford. So one of the daughters became a Munford. Munford. Sorry, Munford, and then became a Williams. So Grace High Warden 
daughter of the first murdered lady, she did end up getting married. She's the only child that I could find something on where she was at least got up to adulthood. Then, well, two of them died, right? Because in one of the newspaper articles, we know five of the seven. So then I'm trying to, I'm like, well, they stayed with their grandparents, right? So they probably had a decent life. The ones who probably didn't have a decent life were Walter Everett's kids because he didn't give a fuck about them and their mother got murdered. So I ended up finding this weird little blurb and it's this, it's like a, I, I don't even know what the hell it is. But anyway, it's not a newspaper article and it says, Martha E. Cooper, born Martha E. Everett, born 1912 in Urbana, Champaign, Ohio. And I'm like, wow, holy shit. And it says, residence, Troy, Miami, Ohio. She died in 1999 in a long-term care facility. And no autopsy, burial, 1999. And it says she was a widow. So if this is who I think it is, which is Martha... Is it Rovilla's? Yeah, because remember, they were Everett's, right? Rovilla was Rovilla Moss, married into Everett. <clears throat> so Martha Everett was her, if I'm not mistaken, one of her oldest daughters, not the younger ones. The younger ones were Jane and Genevieve. So she, I think she's actually the oldest because it was Martha Catherine Genevieve Jane. So if this is her, and again, it makes sense, the year is right, 1912, Urbana-Champaign. I mean, it's the same friggin' town, county, the whole nine. I think I found one of the daughters from Rovilla, and it looks like she got married and died in 1999. So hopefully she had a good life, and I don't know what happened to her sisters. But he fucked up the lives of nine children. Killed two ladies. He was a prize. A fucking gem. <laughs> So that is the story of Bert High Warden, Ada Anderson, and Rovilla Everett, and their poor children, who God knows what the hell happened to them. So that is going to conclude the first episode of our podcast, Talking Murder with My Mom, and then we will come back with our second episode with some little side stories that I found from the newspapers, and hopefully you guys enjoyed the episode, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Have a great one. Say bye, Ma. Bye.